in the name of God, the holy and undivided Trinity. During this Easter season, we're considering the five practices of fruitful congregations. Last week, we looked at radical hospitality. Today, we focus our thoughts on the second of the five practices, passionate worship. I thought it would be appropriate for me to share with you ten reasons why I worship God. Of course, these 10 reasons presuppose that I have at least 10 reasons for believing in God. And there are certainly plenty of other very good reasons to worship God in addition to these. Some of my reasons are the teachings of the church through the centuries. Others are just my reasons. In both cases, I have experiential data that confirms the validity of each of these reasons in my own life and in the lives of worshiping communities where I have served. So I want to invite you this morning to take a pen or a pencil and a piece of paper and jot them down as we go along. See if one or more of them resonates with you and your experience of God in worship. And if so, perhaps this one reason can be the start of a new adventure with the God who made you, who loves you, who knows you by name, and who desires more than anything else to enjoy a close walk with you. One, the God I believe in wants to be worshiped. Martin Luther said, whatever your heart clings to and relies upon, that is your God. The God of the Bible, God of Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel, the God and Father of Jesus Christ, takes delight in our worship. Our God wants to be the one our hearts cling to and rely upon above all else. The story of the Bible is the story of God's call to people to worship him and serve him. In Exodus, each time God has Moses go to Pharaoh, he says, Let my people go so that they may worship me. Two of the Ten Commandments have to do with worshiping God alone, and one has to do with observing the Sabbath. The prophets warned of the dire consequences of forsaking the worship of God. Satan tempted Jesus to worship him. And Jesus' response was, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus told the Samaritan woman at the well, a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. The Psalms call us to praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Ascribe to the Lord the honor due his name. And in today's reading of the 23rd Psalm, we're reminded of our desire to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, the place of worship. 
Through our worship, we are to give glory to God, for God is the God of glory. So it's God's desire and expectation that those who love him gather to worship him. He wants to be worshipped. When we worship God, it is a fulfillment of our vocation, our calling to put God first in our lives. When we worship God, we minister to God because it matters to God. Number two, in corporate worship, I am immersed in and confronted by the story of faith. In worship, I hear the story read, talked about, sung about, prayed about, and acted out upon the altar. I use my senses to see myself in the story, and I discover that the story is my story. Sometimes it confirms my actions. Sometimes it condemns them. Sometimes it provides a way. Sometimes it bars the way. This story holds me accountable. And why is this important? Because unless I have an awareness of my own need, my own frailty, my own imperfection, as well as my potential as a child of God, it is not likely that I will value the grace God offers to me. This story is a saving story. Practically every important decision of my life and every high moment of inspiration have occurred during corporate worship. Three, the rituals and symbols we share in worship express that which goes beyond words. God incorporated outward signs and symbols in the design for the tabernacle in the wilderness, for the covenant box in which the tablets of the law were kept, for the vestments of his priests, and for the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus, from infancy, participated in this worship. It was his custom. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, says the writer of the letter to the Hebrews, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I recall the story of a preacher who had a violinist one Sunday and the leaders of his congregation didn't like it. So they called a meeting with him to complain. That may have been the first time that ever happened to him. <laughs> so in that meeting, one man said, the violin is the devil's instrument. To which the preacher replied, well, it's time God got a little enjoyment out of it for a change. <laughs> the music the signs and the symbols of our faith express that which just goes beyond words. Four, worship is the beginning of my response to the immeasurable love of God. I remember a church where I sometimes worshiped as a youth. Two of our friends who were members of that church are worshiping here today, in fact. On either side of the chancel, there were panels sort of like our hymn boards. But instead of numbers on those boards, one of them said, enter to worship, and the other said, depart to serve. That impressed me. Our service of God flows from our worship of God. 
In worship, we're nourished in word and sacrament in order to be sent out into the world to be a sacrament to those who are hurting and those who are hungry. There's work to do in God's service. Doing good outside the context of worship is a, is a dangerous a thing as letting worship stop at those doors. Work and worship must go hand in hand. We are both a priestly people and a prophetic people. I think most of you know by now that um, a week ago, there was a fire that did serious damage to the ReStore and totally destroyed some other businesses in that area. And we had a silver patent to be engraved at one of those shops. Um, one of our Stephen ministers went over to pick the patent up from the owner of that shop and learned that the, everything that the man used to make his living was destroyed. So he will be out of business for a while. It could have been a transaction that ended there, but it didn't. He took a minute, as he said, to share a Stephen ministry moment with this man and thereby nourished him and fed him and lifted up his soul. That happened because this Stephen minister is a regular participant in our worship together. Jesus himself certainly spent a lot of time in the synagogue. Now we have no record of his ever having complained that his parents made him go as a child, therefore he wasn't gonna go as an adult. It's just not in the record. I'm not saying it didn't happen. Jesus spent, spent plenty of time worshiping both in private and in the company of his disciples and in the great congregation at the synagogue and at the temple. In the rhythm of his life, work and worship were perfectly balanced. Number five, when I have drifted away from God, worship is the means by which I'm drawn back. The psalmist said, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? God has promised to meet me in the company of God's people at worship. Usually when I feel far off from God, it is due to my own wandering and my lack of awareness of the presence of God everywhere I am. And so God calls me to a holy place, a place set apart, to be with a holy people, a people set apart, and in that place I wait for him. I hear God's voice and I feel God's touch again so that when I go back out into the world, which is not yet whole or holy, I can hear God's voice above all the rest and feel God's tugging at my heart more than any other influence in my life. Number six, I promised I would. We're called to live in a covenant relationship with God and with one another. Look at the vows we took at our baptism and that we renew each time we have a renewal of baptism. The promise to continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in the prayers means, and has always meant, I'll show up for worship. God has made a covenant with us. God holds himself to his promises. All God asks is for us to hold ourselves 
to our part of the covenant. We don't have to do God's job for God. I have a duty to worship. Now, duty is not a bad word, although researchers tell us that my generation thinks it is. But God has sworn to have a duty toward us. Our response is to do our duty toward God. Just as we have given God many occasions to feel like forgetting his duty toward us, God never has. So our duty to God is to be maintained regardless of how we feel. Love divine is a decision, not just a feeling. There is value in learning and teaching our children to do things because they are inherently good for us and because we promised we would do these things. George Rupp, university president and theologian, once said, there is no life without community and there is no community without commitment. We have to be able to count on one another and we believe God counts on us. We lower our expectations concerning commitment. We kiss community and perhaps life itself goodbye. Number seven, through worship, my time, life, and space is sanctified and made holy. God's priority is to redeem all of creation and have it set apart entirely for his glory. I believe in this God then it logically follows that I must do my part to let God make the tiny corner of the universe I inhabit and the brief span of time I'm here holy. I start the week with worship and it sets the priorities of my life back in order for the remainder of the week. Number eight, in worship my perspective is refocused. God wants me to look at his world and the people he has created as he sees them. In worship, I'm given a new set of lenses through which I begin to look at things as if I'm looking through the eyes of God. And only when I begin to see things God's way can I begin to understand what God wants me to do and why. Number nine, when I worship with other believers, there is mutual encouragement. In the letter to the Hebrews, we read these powerful words of exhortation. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Look around you this morning. Is anybody missing? Who's going to be the one who gives them a call this week to see if they're okay or if they need anything? Who's going to be the one to offer them encouragement and help and kindness? Find out if they're sick or sad or struggling. That you notice when someone doesn't show up for worship just may be the prompting of the Holy Spirit to reach out to that person and to spur them on. And number 10, in worship I make a public witness concerning who and whose I am. Christianity, as I said to you last week, is a public religion. To make it anything else is to destroy it. Public worship and public confession of faith are inescapable elements of what we mean when we talk about living the Christian life. 
Though I may enjoy my relationship with God in a very private and interior way, and should, my belief in God is incomplete unless it has an outward and visible sign. Worship is the first of those outward and visible signs. There was an elderly man who was blind and nearly deaf who never missed a Sunday service. One day somebody approached him and, and asked him why he came to worship since he couldn't see or hear what was going on in the service. And the man replied, I come to make sure everybody knows whose side I'm on. <laughs> now hear this. The shepherd and guardian of our souls who gave himself up freely for us is on our side. He who provides for all our needs, who makes us to lie down in green pastures, who leads us beside still waters, who knows our names, who walks with us through the dark and scary places of life, is worthy of our worship. He is passionate about us. He's head over heels in love with us. And the only worthy response for us to his infinite love is passionate worship. Well, these are the 10 top reasons why I worship God. What does your list look like? I encourage you this week to spend some time in reflection and prayer about that. And whatever your reasons, I pray that you will be passionate about worship and let your love of God be joined with other passionate worshipers in this place or wherever you may be on the Lord's day. Sing with a little more gusto. Pray with a little more fervor and watch, look, and listen so you will not miss the new thing that God is trying to do in your life. Amen. Please stand.